Talking Sass. We're a uh, podcast about Canadian politics from a millennial entitled snarky socialist perspective. That's right. We are uh, barely educated, uh, maybe uh, possibly slightly researched, uh, thoroughly biased. Yeah, thoroughly biased. And uh, yourselves, guys. we're coming from you, uh, coming to you live from quarantine. Uh, hope you don't mind the audio quality. Uh, we're uh, doing a virtual chat because we're respecting our social distancing measures. Uh, yeah, that's right. Safe Working in our fast. apartments. And Working fast, going full uh, full remote. Yeah, full uh, remote. But that uh, doesn't mean we can't provide you with uh, hot takes. And, hot takes. Uh, yeah. You know, the hottest out there, the freshest out there. We're here for you guys. Yeah, and we have a, a special guest today on the show. Uh, someone we wanted to have on for a long time. Finally stepped up to the plate in the safety of his own home. Uh, our friend Justin, what's up, Justin? Hey guys, how you doing? We're good, man. Yeah. How are you? I'm good, good. Thanks for the invite, man. It's uh, it's it's really nice. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have had a reason to take a shower today. It's <laughs> <laughs> so always very important to uh, very important to shower before video chats. That is. Uh, yeah, we can, really, we can really hear it in your voice, buddy. You're you're fully uh, you're fully fresh. Sounding very clean indeed. Yeah, yeah. social isolation is weird because you know, like when you don't work, you don't even know what day it is anymore, and it just all starts blending together. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. It's bizarre. We're, uh, I mean, uh, let's uh, kind of catch up here, uh, Tasha. I think it's been a month. I think you can uh, kind of reintroduce your stuff up there. I'm, I'm Pasqua, Frank. Hello, everybody. Yeah, I am Sasha. Uh, you can catch me on the Twitter at Lefty Sancho. Uh, yeah. For some hot takes and uh, commentary about country music. <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, uh, at uh, Kramer versus Kramer, and uh, you know, uh, still, uh, still uh, holding out hope uh, for uh, for the Bernie campaign. Uh, uh, you know, it's not done till it's done, but uh, you know, you can follow me out there. Yeah, do you so, think yeah. I've seen I've seen you guys been really active on Twitter uh, recently, and it's been. It's been nice to see some some friends online. Um, you, people can find me. Uh, my name is Justin, by the way. <laughs> people can find me uh, on Twitter at underscore Justin D, like the letter D, and then another underscore. Uh, yeah, if people want to uh, check out my stuff, I, I host another podcast. I host two other podcasts. One of them is called Echantillon. Um, it's a French language podcast that we do on Choc.ca. Uh, and uh, we cover music from all over Africa and the diaspora, as well as uh, current political events um, through our, our own lens of uh, entitled millennial <laughs> uh, um, music listeners. And then the other one I do is uh, focuses on East African music. Um, it's called Century Signal. People can check that out. Um, music from East Africa interviews with artists, producers, and DJs. So people can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Sweet. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you on, uh, Dustin. And uh, uh, yeah, so how's uh, everybody been handling? Uh, you know, the last uh, last couple of uh, months, couple of weeks, how uh, the entire society has crumbled before I. I don't know. Uh, was there did something happen? I don't really notice. I just I just took a na- I just took a nap uh, on uh, yeah. March twelfth, and uh, <laughs> I woke up now. Apparently, I'm not allowed to enter the bus from the front door anymore. So I'm a bit confused, to be honest. 
<laughs> kind of the opposite for me. Um, I came back from from a trip um, in East Africa and West Africa, and I landed to the most anticlimactic kind of situation ever, where I was hoping to see friends after not having seen them for three months, and I had a bunch of uh, work and, and events lined up, and uh, everything got canceled. So I just I've been in isolation after doing just having the time of my life and 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 being in a warm warm country coming back to like a very cold isolated uh quarantined hellhole <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i hear you i mean uh, we can talk a little bit how our government is going to uh to help or or not help uh but i'm in a similar situation that i just came back from a, from a trip um in the middle of a job transition uh, that might not have been the, the wisest thing to do considering but i planned the trip already um left my job at the end of february and was uh planning on <laughs> transitioning you hit me elbow there buddy right <laughs> yeah as he was coughing in his elbow yeah I, yeah i was coughing in dry my cough elbow. dry cough always safety of my um, but yeah you know i was i was uh, gonna start the job search well i mean I, like the job search was started already but i was uh, the next steps were coming beginning of March, and because that's been canceled, um, I don't know, because of isolation, not in quarantine, but still, you know, coming back from the trip exactly in the time when crisis is starting to heat up, uh, I haven't been able to search for a job, so out of an income, but not exactly a loss of income, it's a tricky situation, and um, I'm lucky enough that uh, I had a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I had been in a, in a privileged position, enough of a privileged position to have some savings, which is something a lot of people in their 30, in their early 30s, late 20s, usually don't have at all. But if yeah, I didn't have that, just be completely shit out of luck. Um, kind of, kind of holding out uh, right now. Kind of, uh, it, it's it's a bit of a luxury that that I have that I just had been able to save up a little bit but again that was supposed to be you know moving towards the adulting and <laughs> things like that and that's pretty quickly uh uh disintegrating as uh, as the weeks go by yeah. uh, you know overall i'm still uh, i'm healthy <laughs> i keeping myself entertained and um keeping myself in good spirits so glad to hear it man glad to hear it how about you sash yeah, I've been doing uh, mental health okay. Pretty good mental health. Physical health. I mean, like the thing is, I've been like trying. So I, I work in a in a pretty traditional kind of office setting, um, and I've been like pushing my company for since I've been there to let me work from home, uh, and they're very like opposed to working from home. They really don't like it. It's like a very old school kind of business mentality of uh, everyone has to be in the office all the time. Um, and now you know they're kind of forcing us to work from home so um i can't really complain on that front um you know i guess i'm not really somebody who who goes out all that much so you know staying home is what i generally do most of the time anyways i guess it's different if you have to stay home but uh all in all it's doing well um had a bit of a scare last week where uh on Friday, I was feeling some fever and I had a cough, and I was thinking, you know, I'm screwed. I got the I got the Rona, but uh, woke up Saturday feeling great. You're not so, killing for you. So no Rona risk, I don't think. Uh, I mean, maybe I got it and uh, and I just beat it in 12 hours, but 
all in all, you know, doing pretty well. Doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> still, uh, I'm still getting paid. I mean, they did, uh, they did lay off a couple people uh, in my team at work. Um, since, um, where I work, we work with a lot of like clients that are, you know, mostly stores and restaurants. And seeing as they're they're all closed, we have a lot of you know clients asking us for for credits and not being able to pay uh, pay their bills. So. Um, you know, there isn't all that much work to go around, so they did lay off a couple people uh, temporarily, uh, but I'm still on the payroll for now, so hopefully uh, hopefully doing good. Yeah, hopefully stay that way. Well, I guess we're, we're starting to see the the uh, the first domino, well, starting to see. Uh, these are the, the, big, the first dominoes that are that are falling. Yeah. Uh, with these companies, uh, companies shutting down their operations and letting go of their staff, uh, people don't have resources to pay their rents or pay their bills, uh, and then you know, like like the whole the whole economy is kind of unraveling. That's what we're we're seeing, right? Yeah. Um, do you know? Uh, have you spoken to? You've been laid off. Do you know? Um, hey, sorry you know, about that. Uh, they're, they're qualifying for uh, employment insurance. Yeah, the, so the regular. Uh, I can't speak for for like all the other companies, but I know that at my work, um, what they you know they've given them kind of all the paperwork they need to uh, apply for employment insurance, and they will be making up I think ninety five percent of the difference between what EI pays them and what their normal salary is. So, you know, all okay. in all, I think it's a pretty you know pretty good offer. Um, that kind of leads me to believe as well that these are not just layoffs that were planned for a long time, but it's actually due to the fact that we don't have any cash on hand to pay these people. And uh, once this all kind of boil, once this all kind of is over, then they'll hire these people back again. So that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, I think it, in a lot of ways, Canada already is this sort of uh, Elizabeth Warren esque vision of human capitalism yeah that makes sense in the grand narrative of the of working status that um well let's talk for a sec about your your own scare of uh of uh, covid that yeah. um if you've been in a, in a similar situation in the u.s um probably you would have still been forced to go to work like for, yeah. for a much longer absolutely uh, you could have a situation where you would have had to uh to you know, against your will, like expose your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, um, because there are stronger uh, social safety nets available. You're able to stay home. You're able to isolate pretty, you know, like that's pretty readily available. Yeah. Uh, sure. The symptoms would have gotten a bit more serious. You could have gotten tested because we have nationalized healthcare. We have this available. Yeah. It's not perfect, right? It's not. Uh, one of our good friends is a is a doctor um, in a hospital in BC, and he's telling me like the hospitals are already completely uh, packed and completely over capacity. So a lot of people, like he would have told you, unless the symptoms are super serious, you're staying home. Yeah, you're not yeah, for sure. To get tested. Uh, you're not going to take up a ventilator. You're not going to take up a bed. Uh, you're staying home unless you're having like serious serious uh, difficulty breathing, and then it's like emergency. But um, in the like a similar situation in any one of the fifty states, you would have been told, uh, "Well, no, you come and get tested, but it's going to cost you three grand." Yeah, well, you don't it's, have it's three ridiculous. grand. You don't have three grand. You don't, you can't get bankrupt. Like um, considering everything, you know, like I think 
Canada could be much, much worse off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Both, both in, and I'm like, these things are linked, but people are mostly uh, able to get the care they need. Like that's certainly not like across the board, but it, but it is uh, I, overall we're, we're able to have access to it. Yeah. Um, I think that's when you're going to talk about uh, one very good glaring example of, uh, of a very worrisome situation. We can get into that a bit later. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then obviously, like we're we've got a lot more social safety net uh, and a, a much bigger social safety net that's available. Um, that's making the the economic situation less catastrophic, at least in the short term. Um, but it doesn't mean we're not going to get affected if the, the U.S. becomes like Mad Max land. No, which for is sure. And I mean, I think you're seeing, what you're seeing right now is is kind of like the the advantage of having uh, obviously um, you know a public healthcare system, but also like a very centralized healthcare system is that it's much easier yeah. to manage, right? Like, I'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent sure how it works in the U.S., but I know they have this thing of like, you know, having you have to get to a hospital that's in the network. And if it's not in the network, then they can't treat you, even if you have insurance, because it's like based on what company your insurance is with and whatever. And, you know, that just makes everything like way more complicated. Like imagine if you're if you're having trouble breathing or whatever um, because you have covid and then your uh, your healthcare provider says, well, you have to go to this hospital that's two hours away Um you know, it, it makes everything so much more difficult to manage. Uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously, we can consider ourselves pretty lucky that we, we live in a country that has a pretty strong social safety net. I One thing that kind of worries me is you can, you know, we're going to get into to the measures that the government's putting in place to, to support people. But um, I'm just kind of worried that when this is all over, they're kind of going to use this as an excuse to put in like extreme austerity measures in the sense of like, oh, well, we spent all this money to help people. Now we're now the country's super in debt. So now we have to, um, you know, cut spending and all that kind of stuff. That's like one way that I can see it going. I think if the conservatives were in power, that's definitely what would happen. Um, I think we're the liberals. I'm not sure. Um, I think what it is showing, though, like the if we can get off uh, right off the top, like one of the, not advantages, but one of the positive things that we're seeing is that like all this talk of, oh, well, we can't afford it, we can't pay for it is essentially bullshit because, you know, all governments, like even the the U.S. government is pulling trillions of dollars out of its ass to uh, prop up the stock market, which is a whole other conversation to have. But the idea that, oh, and and nobody's asking how are you going to pay for it, you know? If Trudeau's saying, oh, we're going to start giving money to people uh, who've been laid off, who've lost their job, uh, I don't hear anyone, even the most conservative people, being like, well, how are you going to pay for it? And we can't afford this. So um, that is kind of a positive thing. And But at the same time, if you look... It's also... Yeah? It's it's also kind of political suicide, isn't it, though? It's like everybody's in this together, and now it's kind of like... It's not a competition, but I remember watching uh, Legault give his address, one of his uh, addresses last week. Yeah. And I remember noticing how comfortable he was doing this press conference where where everybody else was anxious. I mean, I know it's his job to look calm and confident, but I was thinking to myself, like all the right wing shit that this guy wants to push forward, uh, you know, he's 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 been trying to do it in the last like two years. Now is not a time for people to push their political agendas. I mean, 
it, it is, but for politicians, it's not a time for them to be seen as if they're pushing their political agendas. Yeah, no, for sure. And as long as these politicians that are um, in power right now just do a good enough job to ensure the survival of most people, they're going to get political points for their, and, you know, it goes towards their eventual reelection. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, yeah. just to think like, you know, I, I would consider François Legault to a certain extent like an ideologue, um, especially when it comes to like immigration and stuff. Uh, but it's like nowhere near comparable to what's happening in the States with people saying, oh, well, you know, if we have to sacrifice a couple million people to prop up the stock market, then we're going to do that. Um, but I think it might not be the yeah. same. Like we might be privileged in Quebec to a certain extent that um, P Quebecers are used to having a very strong safety net. Like we pay a lot of yeah. taxes compared to other provinces. <coughs> People don't necessarily mind. Like we have less of the, like even our conservatives in Quebec, don't we don't have this kind of stigma around public spending as much. Um, but if you're looking like at what happened, what's happening in Alberta, it's like completely different. Like, um, mm -hmm. Alberta has a pretty right-wing government yeah, and they're no laying off spending. like 20,000 teachers right now to save money and bail out the oil industry as well. So, yeah, exactly. so <laughs> were you, were you, were you the one who tweeted, uh, earlier this week? Like, wow, those, uh, Wexit people are awfully quiet right now. Is that you? No, it wasn't <laughs> me, but it's a Just notice how the Alberta way. separatists are just kind of like oddly quiet for once. Oh yeah, well they're waiting for the fifteen billion from the Fed, so they, you know, they they're gonna take their way out after that, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, I, I kind of feel bad for all the libertarians who have, you know, their ideologies been completely crushed uh, during this crisis. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even hear, like, even libertarians, like, in Canada are not saying, like, well, the free market would do a way better job of uh, ensuring that people have enough hospital beds and shit. So, you know, eh, maybe that's why they're being quiet right now. They realize it's not the time. People don't want to yeah. talk about libertarianism <laughs> right now. I mean, yeah, those are people really, who yeah. can get on board with UBI as well, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I so think it's so. kind of like, uh, which is uh, yeah, it's a very good uh, little, it's a very good little teaser there. What uh, Justin just said. So uh, we yeah. will be talking. I'm not, I'm not trying to r rush it. Uh, it was <laughs> no, really no, interesting no. what you were saying. It's like really insightful, Sasha. Um, like, yeah, this, this is why I wanted to get on the podcast. You know, like you guys have a, together, you guys have a really good uh, um, uh, background in, in politics. The hottest really takes, informative. Man. Hottest you know, takes. we 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 do what we can. I mean, uh, uh, like uh, like you boys are saying, we we're go we're going to get into uh, this episode and maybe a couple more, uh, but we're going to talk about universal basic income. Um, and I, I think there's a really interesting conversation to have about um, sort of the uh, the philosophical roots and the intended human experience. I think that's at the core of libertarianism, the core, like what's really underneath capitalism and, and socialism and where UBI, which is a, a policy at the end of the day, uh, where that fits in. Um, what we're seeing right now is that people don't actually believe almost nowhere that uh, in like a pure free market, because a pure free market means Right now, it would mean, like, <laughs> whoever wants to stay open stays open. Yeah. <laughs> um, and nobody really believes in that. So everybody, you know, everybody is actually further left than they thought. Yeah. And then, like, the the general conversation we're having in on this podcast is pretty much that people are already dying from capitalism, but because it's happening um, on reservations, it's happening uh, in the, like marginalized communities in the cities. 
it doesn't get talked about. Out of sight, out of mind. Well, the stock market doesn't mind. Like most people won't prefer keeping their retirements than actually caring about indigenous people. You know, all, all this stuff goes to say that right now you can't ignore it. Right now it's in your face. It's actually you and your family that's at risk. So all of a sudden people care. Yeah, and I, I think like people in Quebec, um, even if they are, uh, you know, conservative or would consider themselves conservatives, I think like during a time of crisis, people kind of like having that sense of comfort that comes with a strong public sector and that comes with like a yeah. state that's very involved in everything. Like, you know, uh, having their cake and eating it too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and having having uh, having someone who has kind of like a father figure, like Francois Legault, telling us that you know we can calm down and. Uh, we don't have to panic. Everything's going to be okay. I think people, you know, people really like that. And um, as you're saying, yeah, Justin, yeah. like about scoring political points, like I've heard so many people who generally would completely disagree with Legault and don't agree with him on anything saying like, wow, he's doing a really good job at, at managing this crisis. Um, so, you know, good for him. And are you... Are you starting a conspiracy theory that Trudeau knew COVID was coming and that's why he grew a beard to look more fatherly? Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, no, we need my, a whole other episode My conspiracy of theory is the COVID. <laughs> no, see, my conspiracy theory is the COVID actually came through Justin's Trudeau's beard. That's what that's Ooh, that's the cause of it. I like it. See, he 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 was importing it this whole time. That shit is nasty. <laughs> I don't know what he's going for. Like I read somewhere it was supposed to look very like a uh, business or like startup culture. I don't know wh- how he's justifying that. Startup that, culture, that, yeah. Like, it looks right out of a Silicon Valley or something. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think, 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 uh, think gray hair represents startup culture in any situation. It's just. Ooh. Sorry. Sorry, dude. That's ageist, Sasha. <laughs> um, sorry. All right. Um, well, I. You know, uh, as a w- UBI is going to be the, the main focus uh, of the, this episode in a little bit because it's uh, um, the, the logical uh, uh, progression of the measures the government has already started. We can talk about those in a in a minute. But before we talk about that, Justin, you wanna uh, you wanted to bring our attention on uh, a situation that's ongoing. In- yeah. Yeah. Um, right, right here in the Montreal area. So do you wanna you wanna tell us about it? Yeah, I just want to do a little plug, um, like, I guess two things, um, one very short and simple one, and then one a bit uh, lengthier, so I'll try to keep it short. First, um, I think uh, in these times, like, like, like maybe the three of us were, were saying, you know, we were lucky to have uh, enough of a little safety net or, or maybe some money saved up or relatives and family that have our backs. Um, a lot of people are, are not, you know, and uh, one of the things that I noticed around me and even in terms of myself is like mental health is a is a is a big thing right now. Uh, people are dealing with a lot of uncertainty. People don't know what's going to happen to their jobs and it's putting a lot of stress on people. Um, so I just wanted to share this uh, this link. Um, maybe we can put it in the show notes. Um, it's basically just an exercise that I, I think is uh, is very healthy. Um, some questions for people to ask themselves uh, during their isolation, just to kind of like stay in touch with um, how they're feeling and and um, and also to keep on top of good habits, because this pandemic is stressful. 
but you know most of most of the people who have the resources that they need are going to get through this but the people who don't um we're going to take some l's unless we're really um being careful in managing our own physical and mental health so i thought this was really useful and i'm, I'm trying to start doing this now asking myself six questions um every day just to get through this quarantine I came back from a trip, right? So I actually can't see anybody um, until the 31st of March. So um, six questions. Uh, what am I grateful for today? Um, yeah, important to stay positive and, and think of things that we actually have during, during this time. Um, who am I checking on or connecting with today? Um, super important to, to just support friends, support family, um, support people who are in need right now and who have maybe less than we do. Um, number three, what expectations of normal am I letting go of today? This is really helpful um, to help us not freak out. <laughs> um, some of us are very attached to our work or to our regularity and we now have to give it up in a way because things are unpredictable and there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, how am I getting outside today? Get some fresh air. Yeah. Everybody understands that's important. How am I moving my body today? Um, okay, just a little, little uh, Francis on that. Like, yeah, what is not advocating. You know, oh, I'm gonna go hug uh, the neighbor's dog or something like that. Um, <laughs> it, you can still. There's still plenty of ways to do to get a little bit of exercise and a little bit of time outside that still fit within social isolation. Um, this is thing like. It's fine to go for a walk around in the park, yeah. as long as you're not you're not uh, jumping on uh, on strangers. Also, don't uh, absolutely as long as you don't lick the lamp posts. I think you're okay. Yeah, but they taste so good, though. I know they do, Frank. But you're gonna have to like, wait. I'm sorry, man. Damn. Okay. Yeah, thank you, thank you for putting a finer point on that. That's true. I'm not encouraging people to go out and socialize. It's, that's not what getting outside is about. Um, I see. Yes, we can go for walks and keep safe social distancing yeah. and do all sorts of exercises, whether indoors or outdoors, that respect you know distance. I've seen a few um, neighbors do uh, do the balcony hangout, and uh, I like I don't know how much longer that's going to be tolerated because I, I think there's going to be uh, in the coming weeks at least we're going to. The, the spread of the virus is kind of uh, kind of cresting and, and it's getting uh, uh, sort of getting at the, at the highest point. So I don't know how long they're going to enjoy loitering. They're going to allow loitering in the streets. Uh, Fuck, man. Yeah, I've seen way too many people hanging outside and not respecting the distance. People are enjoying. Yeah. You can tell who has money and who doesn't. Who's afraid yeah. of getting sick and who doesn't? Yeah, because mm -hmm. uh, people are just out here chilling like it's fucking yeah. the weekend every day. Um, All right. Yeah, last, last question uh, that I recommend people ask themselves, uh, what beauty am I either creating, cultivating, or inviting today? Um, trying to stay creative, trying to stay um, productive, and shifting maybe away from uh, work-oriented uh, ideas of productivity, but maybe delving into things that actually make us feel good. Um, so this is a list from Brooke Anderson. Um, I found it really helpful, and uh, I got it through uh, the Michael Brooks show. They mentioned it um, on there, and I think it's really helpful to keep a healthy uh, left so that we can all make it through this and uh, 
Yeah, flatten the curve, guys. Very good. <laughs> good. Uh, another little plug before we get on the, the main the, the main subject. I should have plugged this up top. Uh, this is definitely a, a much more uh, a concrete uh, relief plug. But if you work in the uh, uh, restoration industry, if you're uh, you know whether you're, you're documented or not, if you're uh, if you're a Coca server and um, a lot of these places just don't have any kind of the normal uh, um, social safety nets that most Canadians enjoy. Uh, uh, well, we'll put the links in our show notes, but our friend uh, Caitlin has been uh, working pretty hard to set up a relief fund. So you can just check out the uh, Montreal, um, Montreal Restaurant Workers Relief Fund. Um, for, uh, we, yeah, they have a great Instagram account. You can get more information yeah. about how it works and how you can donate or how you can receive funds if you're a restaurant worker yeah. that is in need of funds. Yeah. It's definitely for for designed for like emergencies. For if you're you're at the point where you don't know how you're going to pay uh, for for the next grocery, um, and it's just a reality for a lot a lot of workers. Um, but definitely always looking for more help and more contributions yeah the other yeah you guys should have her on at some point just to talk about this because i'm curious to see how it works like who's who's eligible how do they decide who gets the money um and how much have they been able to to do so far and um maybe so they well, can I, let us know the differences that they've made in uh, people's lives it's an inspiring idea i think yeah for sure and uh to everyone else i would say you know, if you're if the restaurants are open for takeout, keep uh, encouraging your local restaurants, your local businesses, uh, big uh, multinational corporations like McDonald's and uh, Tim Hortons <laughs> and everything. They're going to be fine. They're going to make it through this. Um, but the, the little cafe around the corner or the uh, the little uh, the little takeout place might not. So um, if you can and if you have the money for it, then definitely, you know, keep supporting uh, your local restaurants and uh and you make know, sure to tip businesses. those delivery workers. Guys. Yes, tip make those, sure to tip them. Always tip the delivery workers, guys. Don't be don't be assholes. Um, and also, you know what I what I've started doing uh, is since I can't really go out, uh, take whatever you would normally spend on uh, on going out to eat or to bars in the week, and then give it to this uh, restaurant fund. So it uh, doesn't really won't make that much of a dent uh, if if you still have your job and you're still getting paid it won't make that much of a dent for you but uh, you're definitely going to be helping out a lot of people who uh, who could use the help right now got to keep that solidarity right, right. going guys um i speaking of solidarity uh, i want to get to my lengthier plug um yes. guys please feel free to um to you know interject um this is really important i wanted to i wanted to plug this um, there is a hunger strike currently going on at the Laval Detention Center. Um, this is a center that uh, detains migrants trying to get in um, to Canada illegally. Um, and I think that it's important to, to know that, and you know, prisoners in Canada is a whole other discussion. These people are at very high risk. Um, but not even people who have committed crimes are, are affected by these uh, overcrowded jails and overcrowded detention centers. There's specifically migrants um, are, you know, particularly affected by this. People who are leaving countries that have, you know, either 
um, really heavy political situations going on. Some people are leaving because of war. Some people are leaving for um, political reasons. These people are being detained just because they don't have the right paperwork or they don't have the money to do the right paperwork to get in. Yeah. Um, so what's going on right now at the Laval Detention Center? Um, most Canadians don't know about it. Let me see if I can just get you guys uh, a link to um, kind of give you all the background info. Solidarity wow. Across Borders has um, has actually done this uh, this uh, fundraising uh, strategy. Um, sorry, give me a second, guys. I just need to make sure I give the proper uh, information. I mean, don't don't worry yeah, about it too much. Our, our whole thing is that we're barely researched, so. Uh... <laughs> but we will uh, we will put all these links uh, in the description for you guys. Uh, yeah, everything that we've been I talking mean, about. I think it's very so, interesting. To, to I, I have it. I, I have it pulled up here. Um, sorry, sorry for the for the interruption again. So um, there's there's 30 people currently being detained in the men's side of the Laval detention center. Um, Ten of them started out, I believe, a week ago. Um, a hunger strike to protest their detention. And um, they, they're doing this in order to pressure uh, Canada's border services agency, um, which is, which is uh, detaining them against recommendations from the World Health Organization to, to make sure that people actually have sufficient room to distance themselves. Um, so, I'm, I'm joining these detainees and, and I want other people to also join the detainees in demanding the immediate release of everybody that's currently detained at Laval um, Detention Center. This place is actually called the Laval Center for Immigration Prevention. <laughs> that's oh a really God. fucked up name. Immigration Prevention? Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting uh, phrasing there. Yeah. Laval Immigration Prevention Center. Um, so basically, if anybody wants to do something and is in isolation and wants to be productive and help people less fortunate than they are, um, they can call the Minister of Health and Public Safety and they can um, echo the, the demands of these uh, people that are, have gone on hunger strike on social media, alternative media, and even mainstream media, um, posting, writing articles, um, all of this is, is helpful. If you guys go to Solidarity Cross Borders website, they have a page specifically for the migrant hunger strike, and they have the contacts for Bill Blair, um, emails and phone numbers, who's the Minister of Public Safety. Yeah. And they've also got the, the contact info for um, Marco Mendocino, which is the Federal Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship. Um, I called, it took me about five minutes, I left a message. Um, and Marco Mendocino, I think his office is filtering calls, so there's not even an answering machine. I, I sent him an email. There's text on the um, Solidarity Across Borders website, so you guys don't have to rack your brain for how to formulate <laughs> these uh, complex issues. Um, so I really encourage people, especially if you're at home not doing anything, it's really important that we find ways to not just talk about these issues, but actually do something for other people who are going through a tough time right now. Praxis is a super important yeah. so uh, yeah if you're, that's, that's, just it. in, that's my in, plug in general, in general if you're looking for a friend you know we're paying our mps very well and uh they have an email address you can, uh, it's their can job to listen to you yeah but yeah justin uh, this is a great uh, great issue you're bringing up um 
I think most Canadians don't, we certainly think of this as an American issue, uh, illegal immigration. And, and uh, um, I think we, because there are some big, broad moments to point to where Justin, where Trudeau and liberals and like the country has shown some solidarity for Syrian refugees and stuff like that. Uh, it's very easy or to just like paint it as, as a single brush of like, yeah, in Canada, we love refugees, but uh, we're still doing a lot of the same shitty stuff that- Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, it, go ahead. In this case, in, in this particular case, it's a very dark self-fulfilling prophecy that if the migrant center is detaining people saying, well, they're at high risk, they're making them at higher risk yeah. by shoving them all yeah, and sure. putting them all in the same closed room. So it's kind of a, of a time bomb, but they are we are making it a time bomb by keeping this right. Which is the whole idea of the the release, you know, uh, release them so that they don't contract the disease, and then when they do end up getting deported, so some of these people have been convicted. Some of these people are okay with being deported back to their home. They're just like, please don't don't leave us in here. Yeah. Like, and it's a uh, once they are released, the longer that we keep them in in there, the the more of a chance there is that they're going to infect people back home, people in Canada. Long, more of a chance to infect the guards. This sucks for the uh, prison guards too. Like, and those guys are going back into society as well. Like in the evenings, they're going back to their families. Yeah. So, I think um, we gotta we gotta look at those those guards uh, and uh, those those prison guards and see them as a as a symbol. You know, a lot of people out there who 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 are uh, kind of very okay with the status quo and closed their eyes on how um, they support the current system. Right now is a time to look at what we are doing and what our position is and to, you know, get informed, get politicized, because at the end, it's going to affect us. It's going to bite us in the ass, you know, as a society. So it's time to stop, yeah. stop, uh, you know, stop supporting the, the, the current situation across across all platforms. We need we need a huge paradigm shift um, and that needs to affect our, our workplaces, our prisons, our hospitals. Um, our our politics. Yeah. Very well said. Absolutely. Very well said, Justin. I think we wholeheartedly agree. Um, we will, uh, we will be posting. Uh, you want to take a little break? Yeah, we're we'll be posting uh, information about this. Uh, the links that were mentioned as well. So yeah. be sure to check out the uh, the description to uh, to get information on all of this. Uh, get the scripts to send to your MP. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, sorry, just before we get into UBI, I also want to do a special shout out to Stefan Christoph, who um, he works with uh, Free City Radio, um, which is a radio show on CKUT. He's been really, uh, really proactive in this crisis time in keeping us informed about what's actually going on with the different communities, uh, the different migrant communities and the different uh, working class communities in Montreal. Everybody else is kind of um, shut off. I think jur journalism and the, the newsrooms have kind of slowed down their output. Um, he's keeping, obviously, social distancing, but he's been speaking to workers in Montreal on front. And going, these are also mostly migrant communities lines to provide us essential essential services like health services and, and food. So everybody check out um, um, Stefan Christoph's Facebook um, for his updates and posts okay. in Free City Radio as well. Yeah. Sounds good. So um, Very good. we're going to take a little break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be uh, discussing UBI with the boys. So see you in a bit. Word. Word. 
podcasting uh, vibe going on there with the vape yeah it was just for the video i mean if you weren't filming i wouldn't be smoking yeah. this <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, after we're, i mean I'm, I'm clearly not a real podcaster yet because i'm not vaping enough yeah and i'm just a poser like look i've got like my cigarettes right here just to prove that <laughs> <laughs> well justin vaping is not a crime it can't uh, no it's can't get like i it's, it's just a way for me to smoke when i can't go outside Word. Well, everybody, we're back. Uh, still healthy. No symptoms yet, I don't think. Everyone's doing good. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Speak so, for yourself, guys. <laughs> I got a fever. I got a fever for UBI. Well, that's what we uh, wanted to get into today. Uh, universal basic income or the idea that every citizen, uh, everybody in society uh, should have their basic needs covered. Uh, paid for, you know, like uh, collectively, um, usually through cash directly, simply put in hand enough to pay for lodging, uh, food, and, you know, basic necessities, basic care. Yeah. It's an idea that's been around for a very long time, surprisingly long time. And in the next couple of episodes, we're going to discuss uh, the roots of the ideas, the ways that it's been tried, the justifications, the criticisms. Today, we're going to focus on uh, talk about what our government is doing, how it's uh, dealing with the crisis and what we think is doing right and doing wrong yeah um because yeah we we are seeing a uh, a version of that put forward uh, both the federal uh, government and the various province governments have uh offered temporary relief which is a uh, version of ubi so it's not exactly um isn't exactly universal because uh, uh both uh both levels of government have offered uh, relief for specifically workers who have lost their job. Yeah. So exactly. it's, uh, like, let's it's, say it's like somewhere in between uh, UBI and uh, yeah. employment insurance. Yeah. So. It's basically an expansion of, uh, of uh, employment insurance, which is good and it's very broad. So it covers almost everybody. But give you an example, I'm falling between the cracks because I was in job search technically when I had to start isolating. Yeah. So I don't qualify for... Uh, we, you know, federal. We'll see if I can if I can crawl my way back uh, back from the crack. Um, but for provincial, they told me already I do not qualify. Oh. Now, um, it is still uh, interesting how you know uh, usually it's an idea that's kind of laughed at, sneered at as just it's ridiculously expensive. Uh, it's way too much money. Uh, you can't pay for that. You know all this stuff. And then a moment it's, we're in crisis. We know how many people are going to be facing just the usual cost of living. That's way too much to pay. If you do, if you, most people don't have the funds to back themselves uh, without income for, for more than a couple of weeks. Yeah. So all of a sudden we're able to find the money and we're able to provide it. Uh, it's for a very short amount of time. We're talking about four months for the federal government. Quebec has spoken about four weeks, um, but possibly more. I can't imagine it's going to be only four weeks because I don't think, uh, I don't think we're, we've seen the, the worst of the virus yet. Um, but it's still a, a version of it. So uh, what I wanted to talk about specifically today is how, like, how come we've accepted this idea uh, so quickly, so broadly, like all of a sudden, all the, the critics 
are silenced. Like nobody is coming forward and saying, Hey, like, how are you going to pay for that? Yeah. Whatever. Like, like you were saying earlier, it's actually political suicide to come out too strongly and say, say to Trudeau, say to the go, Hey, you can't pay for that. Uh, everybody is kind of standing. Everybody's like all of a sudden, everybody's understanding of what's uh, doable has changed. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a big uh, difference, uh, you know, one of the big markers of difference. And that's why maybe I would like kind of be prudent with saying um, it's a version of UBI. It's like this is such a specific, such a specific context. Um, yeah, it is okay. a good yeah. context. It is a good context to study it and, and to and to think about it. It's a great context. It's a great time to start thinking about what's possible. But um, these are like extraordinary times and, and these are also being called extraordinary measures, you know? Yeah. And, and I think like the, the, like the, the reasoning behind it um, on the side of the federal government is like, it makes, it's really simplifies the process for them as well. Um, as anyone who's tried to apply for employment insurance, not during a crisis uh, would know that it is like an extremely lengthy process and, means-tested programs yeah, tend to be like. extremely complicated and require a lot of paperwork, mm -hmm. a lot of bureaucracy. Um, this way, if you know, we can just send a check out to everybody, it really simplifies everything. And, and the thing is, people right. don't have, you know, uh, people don't have time to wait uh, six weeks or whatever it is to, uh, to start receiving money. Uh, a lot of people need money right now. So um, it, it makes it easier for the federal government to manage uh, to manage a program like this by just saying we're going to give money to everyone who says that they need it, you know? Right, and the proof of that is that um, if you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the government has like added extra measures maybe like four or five times uh, since the yeah. beginning of the crisis. Yeah. They started out with something um, that was very minimal. Uh, and there was a lot of paperwork to do for it. And then they decided to up the amount, I believe. And then eventually they said, uh, no, like we're going to just send everybody a check. And then eventually they were just like, oh, actually, uh, we're also going to um, give money to companies so that they support. So it's like, I don't know if this is because people were pushing for it. Um, I hope that it was. I don't know if it's because they were looking and they had they had a team that was looking at the international response and being like, who do we want to be uh, on par with in yeah. terms of this, the left-leaning kind of response that we give, uh, because this is going to affect our reputation and the survival of our economy. Um, but they basically changed and kind of um, not not apologized, but they 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 readjusted multiple times uh, with a better plan um yeah and I, th I think like yeah. one of the reasoning one of the reasons behind it like one of the reasons why they're being so generous if you can call it that um is because like we're the the current crisis is affecting people who normally wouldn't be in precarious work situations um, <laughs> yeah. people who yeah, might vote liberal in the next election who might be a little bit you know this crisis is really sure. affecting everyone we can't say that you know only people in the restaurant industry are losing their jobs uh, it, it's really affecting people like, you know, case in point, they fired or they, they laid off a couple of people at my work who in normal circumstances would not be uh, eligible for, for kind of social measures like this. Um, so yeah, this is affecting white middle class people. Now. That's that's mm -hmm. it. I didn't want to say it that way, but yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, and, you know, people, companies are losing money. People are having to lay off workers um, just to be able to uh to to keep their their businesses afloat so that's why i think we're seeing such a strong response uh from the federal government so uh i'm not sure if you know like you were saying you're wondering if people are pushing for it i'm not sure if if 
there's a certain segment of uh, like the chambers of commerce or some sort of like economic right. institutions that are pushing for it, saying like you know people need to have cash. Uh, if not, you're totally this right, thing man. Is gonna, this whole thing, I don't, I don't think they're doing it just to be generous uh, and because they care. There is a, maybe a certain part of it, but um, that makes a lot of sense they to see me. That I it's in their that, economic interest as well, you know. Yeah, like the whole business class is being affected by this: small businesses, medium-sized businesses, and large businesses. Yeah, and um, if these are the people that that bankroll a lot of these political parties, right? So if um, these guys are getting hit, like how do they you know finance their their next campaigns how do they yeah. um how do they get broad-based support from people whose ideology is i mean it's not as bad as the americans there's a reason why americans um have bought in some americans have bought into this idea of like it's okay if a couple of people die as long as our economy bounces back like yeah. it's because the ideology of capitalism is very specific and specifically rooted in american culture we kind of have it here too you know people have bought into it and um but i guess we're halfway and so it would be political suicide if they didn't uh yeah help out the businesses who are probably doing putting a lot of this pressure out here and i think this kind of brings up another another like point is that now everyone's on board with it because it's benefiting them directly. But, you know, even uh, when things were quote unquote normal, there were still people who were having trouble, you know, a lot of people who were having trouble making ends meet. Um, like a lot of Canadians, especially under the age of 30, don't have any savings. A lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck, are not able to afford like a, an unforeseen expense of $300. Um, so this is a measure that we really need to be looking at uh, as something to continue once uh, the COVID-19 crisis has kind of uh, is, is over um, because it is going to benefit a lot of people. Um, hopefully we'll be able to kind of use the public support that this has right now as, as a way to, uh, to get public support for a measure that would, uh, would continue. Yeah. I mean, I, I think someone who's uh, particularly smart on this that I, I love to reference on the show is uh, Naomi Klein. Yeah. She has been pretty vocal uh, pretty vocal about uh, a, about what you know governments around the world are doing, but uh, we do have like great examples of the shock doctrine. One of her her big uh, her big uh, theory, theories in her career uh, in action in Canada and in the states. Um, the idea is that a crisis, and this could be a silver lining, but this could be actually the first step towards a disaster as well. It all depends on the choices we make right now. Uh, but in a moment of crisis like this, everything is put back in question. Yeah. So the other, the, like, this is really in living memory. Like, we don't really have anything that's comparable. Some people have spoken about, you know, 9-11. You know, maybe that's, a, that's something, a moment that really grabs national attention, uh, made everybody feel unsafe, like in, like in a, a coordinated uh, way. Yeah. Uh, I think the most comparable moment is um, the Great Depression, uh, right? So... So in the uh, uh, in the 30s, um, but you know maybe maybe World War One, something where um, the the entire economy across the board was affected, really hasn't happened in decades. Um, and in those times, well, we've got pretty good examples of big big ideas, big projects that were uh, very much left to the side, very much uh, disregarded by the mainstream political class. Uh, so. Right around 9-11, uh, everybody feels unsafe, everybody feels threatened at the same time. Well, the Bush administration used it to pass the Patriot Act, which yeah. was 
a, a sweeping measure of uh, increasing the, uh, the the spying capabilities of the uh, the federal government. It's didn't, really uh, something that didn't Joe sorry? Biden uh, didn't Joe Biden support the yeah. Patriot Act? Just you know, side so, note. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to get to. That it's an idea that was lying around, actually put by people like Joe Biden and John McCain and other you know resistance heroes. Uh, but the people that had been pushing for increased spying powers, uh, surveillance, and and all this kind of stuff uh, from many different agencies, in more and more inscrutable ways, um, basically broadly decreasing accountability. These ideas had just been like. Uh, left out the aside and the mainstream, like the, most senators, most members of Congress would not even really think about them as something that was needed, as something that was absolutely viable, you know, so it was just left to the side. Yeah. 9-11 happened, all of a sudden, um, it became this, this just kind of evidence for the, uh, for the mainstream media or most of the, uh, the electorate. It's something that they just like wouldn't even put in question that of course we needed more, more power for our brave heroes at the NSA, at the FBI, at the CIA. And of course we need to give them more equipment. Uh, of course we can't be asking them, you know, how they got their information. No. And, you know, we, we, we want to have our, sorry? It's far too complicated. <clears throat> yeah, we, we want to have a Jack Bauer busting down doors. Uh, we don't want to have a, a pesky little uh, bureaucrat asking him to sign the document. No. But, you know, on the other hand, another example, Let's look at Canada after World War One. We had a um, you know like like very deep uh, recessions across the country, and that's when we had big projects like nationalized healthcare that started to come through, and we were the first in all of North America. So we really have examples of both here historically, where um, moments of crisis can lead to moments of mobilization, and that can either be um, uh, uh, co-opted, uh, well, co-opted, you know, uh, brought together in solidarity to accomplish great social projects like universal healthcare, um, like a net, um, or it can be weaponized by right to basically consolidate and solidify power that they already have. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, is anybody else hearing like a background noise, or is that just me? No, I think we're good. All right, I, cool. I, I don't hear anything. All right, we got us. If you are if you are hearing about this, we'd love to know. Yeah, this is an experiment in progress. This is for the real fans, show yourselves. Let us <laughs> yeah. know what's up. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, just in, like, in just our before we get uh, started on on this, I think uh, we, we did mention that we are going to be doing a couple of uh, of episodes on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely stay tuned. Um, we probably won't have time to go all the way into it uh, today, but we're gonna we're gonna do a little little sneak peek today and then go more in depth in the next couple of episodes yeah yeah big issue lots to talk about yeah yes um well we in our situation right now in canada we uh i, I think like people across the world are, are kind of praising praising canada they're usually uh, citing us next to the the greats like uh, like denmark and and norway and all those as handling it as best as possible yeah. uh, both economically and uh, and in terms of, of healthcare. Um, our doctor friend in BC has actually been praising specifically Quebec uh, as being pretty socially responsible. We were a couple of weeks early from everybody else in terms of uh, uh, taking social distancing measures seriously. 
Yeah. And, and that's actually had a pretty positive impact. So, um, it's a difficult time because, you know, you, you certainly don't want to, uh, to disregard all the good things we're doing, but you also don't want to, you, you also, you know, it's kind of uh, what we're doing here. We always have to stay critical and we're seeing the government do both great things and also, uh, much more questionable. So the big one for me is a $15 billion uh, bailout, uh, uh, planned by the federal government for the oil industry. Yep. Uh, kind of uh, the usual villain of uh, working staff, I think. Yeah, yeah. I say. don't. The thing is, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why the. Oil I don't industry, understand either. It's not like, like the oil the industry is exempt from the current measures that we're putting in place, like you know, uh, financing the yeah, salaries the, 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 of employers yeah. and stuff like that. Like, that would it, it applies to the oil industry as well, but we're yeah. giving them an extra help uh, because they really, really need it right now. Um, beyond yeah. that like what the fuck are the returns gonna be guys <laughs> like how much tar sands is actually left in alberta like not that much how like where is the price of oil going like well exactly that's wh- the thing i'm you know, so, I'm so confused i'm we're so gonna confused buy, we're gonna buy 15 billion dollars worth of oil and dump it in the sand in alberta <laughs> and then get back out that's we're gonna make we're gonna make an oil relief fund, guys. If you want to donate, please uh, hit up the podcast, and we are gonna personally uh, bail out help help the efforts to bail out the oil industry. Uh, due to uh, due to social distancing, a lot of uh, oil executives have had to lay off their stay at home nannies, uh, cooks, and gardeners. Um, so uh, this none of this money is actually gonna go to those people. It's just gonna go to the oil executives to help with the emotional trauma that they're living right now. It's really oh. hard. Um, so hit us up, donate generously to the GoFundMe for the oil execs. Uh, they really need it. I just want to burn my face off when I think about this because it's so dumb. It's like there's so many other things you can do. Like give them as much money if you want to turn those into green jobs. I don't yeah. care that they're getting the money. It's just like we're not going to benefit from like even even all burdens. Like they're not going to work. They're not going to benefit from this. Like how much money can they make in in that short period of time where we're still going to be producing oil and where the prices uh, maintain? They, like what? Yeah, and the oil yeah, prices so- have been going down since before like coronavirus really hit. You yeah. know, like oil prices w- were already at kind of an all-time low, and they're still going down. Um, and you know, most calculations show that like oil sands are only profitable when barrels are like forty or fifty dollars. When oil's at like forty or fifty dollars a barrel, and right now we're seeing it at like twenty. So oh, we can like subsidize that. it until we're blue in the face, but it's not going to change the global trends. You know, believe it or yeah. not, Justin Trudeau is not single-handedly responsible for the price of oil worldwide. Well, I haven't looked into it, but I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. Like, um, I'm I'm not so like uh, well versed in like macroeconomics, but from what uh, from from the people that I kind of listen to on this stuff. The economy was in a crisis, like you said. Like the, the broader economy was in a crisis since before, um, yeah. since since before COVID nineteen. And the idea that like this is the thing that's like uh, really like hitting the economy hard, I, I think is is kind of wrong because if we rehabilitate the current players, we leave the system with the current structures in place that allow people within finance and within business to do what they've been doing. We're going to, we're just delaying what is inevitable. And um, I wanted to know what you guys think about this. Like what I've understood is that basically what happened in 2008, like we've basically Mm -hmm. like uh, papered over 
and painted over the problem. And we're still exposed to as much risk economically with our financial system as we were back then. Um, do you guys like have any quick like ideas on that? Because I'm. I mean, the 2008 crisis to me, the way it was handled, it's beyond capitalism because uh, it, like you cannot detach it from oligarchy. Like the normally in any kind of capitalist system, if something fails, then it has proven it doesn't fit the market, and it should die. Like that's what happens in the capitalist system. Yeah. And the 2008 crisis showed like. Uh, complete mismanagement, not just illegality, but uh, just like really stupid decisions across the board that were completely unsustainable. And yet the bailout went to rebuild that industry in the exact same way. And that's kind right. of thing here that the oil industry is not sustainable. We know this, it's not sustainable economically or uh, it doesn't fit in the environment. It just doesn't work. It has to go. Trudeau apparently knows this. Uh, allegedly, like every election he goes, he actually moves a little bit closer to the, to the oil industry. So I'm not convinced he does. But last election, he was telling us that um, the money we were going to make from this kind of next few years of oil extraction was going to go into transitioning and towards the green energy. Now that we're seeing that he needs help, he's using the, the money the money that we don't even have yet to rebuild it um, instead of doing the transition he claims he wants. Yeah. So, it, like, this isn't even, it's not even capitalism. It's not even neoliberalism. This is really just oligarchy. Like, I, I don't know what else is. Yeah. Uh, Sasha, what's your take on, like, the last um, 20 years of, like, the economy? Like, do you, do, do, you, do you think we, like, COVID is what is, like, the big risk for our economy right now? Or is this, like, you know... I mean, I think like in Canada, More structural. we were, I mean, especially in 2008 in Canada, we were a little bit more sheltered from it because um, we do have a little bit of a stricter financial, like especially a, a stricter banking system than the United States did. Uh, we don't really do um, uh, subprime mortgages and all that kind of stuff. It's not as widespread in Canada um, as it was in the United States. So there are a little bit more like checks and balances on the financial system. I mean, I think obviously COVID is a risk for the economy. Like, I don't think anyone's denying that in Canada that like businesses are going to lose money and some small businesses are going to have to close. But I just think that uh, as opposed to the United States, we've kind of decided to focus on saving lives rather than making sure the stock market goes up a little bit. Um, and I think the other thing, like especially in terms of, of like public finances, uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is just that like, we have money to finance everything like what we're seeing now is that the government can just pull billions out of its ass and and fund large-scale social programs the only reason why they haven't done it before is because they don't want to you know like what, that's what really what we're seeing is that like uh, in a time of crisis we can provide uh, you know shelter to to homeless people we can provide uh, money for food banks uh, we can provide money to people who've been laid off or who have lost income but in times of you know normal times for some reason we seem to think that that we can't afford it and that it's not something that we want to do but what it's just showing us is that this is just a choice that that we make as a society um and that we could indeed you know house homeless people uh, in times of not crisis yeah man we're learning a lot in this time um this guy joshua khan uh said something really interesting he said uh i, I think he said 
the word apocalypse uh, is, is actually like the root of it actually means like the unveiling. Like yeah. it's not so much that shit is coming down, it's that we're actually seeing things how they are for the first time. Like the veil has been lifted. Yeah, um, literally. Yeah, that's neat. Um, well, um, in the, the last few days, there's been a, a pretty interesting um, uh, cooperation between academics across the country. Uh, there's a, a great uh, letter they wrote uh, to the liberal government talking pretty much exactly about all this stuff. Uh, these are academics that are from multiple disciplines. We'll uh, post the links to the actual letter if you want to read it. It's not too long. Yeah. You know, I might read it all, so I'm pretty sure everybody can. Um, uh, but basically, they, they're, they're pleading uh, for common sense here. Um, but I've got a couple of quotes here. Uh, that I think pretty much resumed the situation uh, quite well. Um, so addressing the uh, liberal government, they say, there is no question that Canada faces an immediate health crisis that is compounding an, eco an economic crisis, and urgent action is called for. However, decisions made by the federal government at this crucial moment will shape the future of Canada and must reflect the interests of all Canadians. And a vision for rebuilding sustainable economies in recognition of the confluence of global shifts currently unfolding. Given that the proposed bailout package has been negotiated secretly with the United Conservative Party, Jason Kenney, um, the government of Alberta, and the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers, Canadians have a right to be concerned that its contents may represent only a narrow set of perspectives and interests. Um, as a first quote, uh, I think it talks exactly what we're talking about here, that uh, the industry, it, like, it's not viable. It, it doesn't fit the markets. It doesn't fit um, the project of Canada of, like, being a sustainable nation in, in, for the future of the world. Yeah. Uh, and yet the industry is able to lobby the government, uh, you know, like the provincial government of Alberta is basically an extension of the oil industry, which is a problem in itself, but oh, for sure. yeah. we're able to lobby the liberal, the federal government secretly and get money to survive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would have been just on a basic level, just nice to at least have known that this shit was coming, you know, as a citizen who's, I guess, paying for it, this is taxpayer money that's going into the bailout. Right. So um, how come like, we don't get a say into into this huge bailout of a sector that you know is not is not evenly distributed and yeah. and, and it's funny um, how they have to kind of like slip in the like you haven't really heard too much press coverage about the oil oil and gas bailout like it's very much like kind of slid in with all the other stuff and they're trying to like make a lot of noise with the $2,000 a month. To... Fucking wild, man. Fucking wild. Like yeah. while newsrooms are kind of like, you know, uh, cutting down on, on staff and uh, we're all obsessed with COVID-19. Oh, they did a little something to a little sneak. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, uh, you know, this would be the exact right opportunity that uh, these workers are already displaced. And the question is, you replace them into the industry that we knew we would have to shift them out of anyways. And we yeah, knew there was exactly. going to be an economic dislocation uh, right there. Or do you yeah. use this money, these funds to um, retrain them, retrain the ones that, that you can, that are willing into, uh, you know, uh, solar jobs, wind jobs, uh, you know, whatever the number of industries that, that need people uh, to get trained, to get um, yeah, 
to get involved. Oh, yeah. And the other issue is like I don't know how much of this money is actually going to go towards oil sector workers who've been laid off. You know, like we're giving them a blank check with like yeah. fifteen billion dollars. Um, hey, we don't see need uh, need bonuses too. Otherwise, well, they go yeah. away. Well, obviously, they've been performing quite well. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like to my knowledge, every time we've tried asking companies nicely, like, can you please let this wealth trickle down? It never actually happens. So, you know, the fact that we're, it's we're gonna be a bit behind patient, closed doors, but they're gonna frame it as being like, oh, we need this for the oil workers. Well, it's possible that the oil workers won't actually see a penny of that money. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Should we wrap it up before Sasha's phone dies? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it up for uh, for today. Um, but we'll be back next week with uh, a little bit more of an in depth uh, look at UBI. Uh, yeah, we'll actually is. talk about UBI. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the philosophy behind it, uh, the criticisms, the justifications, uh, whether or not it is actually doable in Canada. Um, we'll be discussing all that good stuff. All right. All right. So thanks, uh, Justin, yeah. for coming on. And uh, yeah, absolutely, thank guys. Everyone so for it's listening. a real pleasure. Hope you all are staying sane, uh, staying healthy, staying far away from the ones that you love uh, for safety reasons. And yeah, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Together.